This is the Cornfield Theology Podcast. My name is Brooks. I am one of the hosts, and I'm here with my co-host. What's going on? Introduce yourself. Um, I thought you were introducing me. Oh, I'm. I mean, no, no, I'm not Sean. Oh, Powers. I have to introduce myself. Yeah, man, the terms have changed of our agreement to do this podcast together. Well, I'm Pastor Sean. I am a pastor and church planner of Redemption Hill Church here in the Des Moines Metro. In particular, we are in Waukee, Waukaloo. <laughs> Waukaloo. Waterloo. No, Waukee, Iowa. Ontario. It's Milwaukee without the mill, but we're in a... Without the mill? Is, it's not spelled the same. Yeah, it is. Go look it up. Is it? Yeah. Hmm. Is yeah. Milwaukee, what it, is that, a state? Check. <sighs> Go get, is it look. actually? No. I, I'm asking you a legitimate question. <laughs> <laughs> Have you taken geography yet? <laughs> Aren't you in college? Other, other than pre-cal. No, sorry, man. Uh, geography was... You've My aff- most difficult class. You may have offended everyone in Milwaukee, which is located in Wisconsin. So. Oh, that's why I didn't know. It's in <laughs> Wisconsin. Sorry. So what are we here for, by what the way? Is that can- part of Canada? <laughs> no, I'm no. just kidding. Uh, so today on the podcast, we're talking about uh, spiritual gifts. Nice. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, specifically, the revelatory gifts, I'm thinking. Yeah. And the question, oh. did they cease? What did they? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so either. At least, I don't, what, do we, what do we read in our Bible? Uh, we read that, uh, well, first Corinthians, uh, wow, 14 jumping right into this. Well, first Corinthians 14. Let's start there. First Ephesians. <laughs> first. Shout out to my friend Logan. Okay. Um, so first Corinthians 14. Well, no, no, I think we should start out just, um, we believe the get what, first of all, what are we talking about? What are the gifts? Well, I got a really good quote from um, your guy, Sam Storms. Yeah, Sam Storms and, is my guy. And um, he has a really good quote that I think kind of sums up, you know, what are the spiritual gifts and um, looking forward here. Here we go. Spiritual gifts are not God bestowing to his people something external to himself. They are not some tangible, he quotes it, stuff or substance separable from God. Spiritual gifts are nothing less than God himself in us. Energizing our souls, imparting revelation to our minds, infusing power in our wills, and working His sovereign and gracious purposes through us. So in summary, summary, spiritual gifts are God present in us with and through human thoughts, human deeds, human words, human love. Hmm. End quote. Something specific I want to point out there, imparting revelation to us. Yeah. That's part of the definition here. Yep, absolutely. So the gifts we're talking about, we're not saying no spiritual gifts exist that's what not not what cessationists believe yeah. they believe that what what would be called the revelatory gifts right so we got prophecy speaking of tongues speaking of tongues with interpretation interpret you mean interpretation of tongues yeah, yeah interpretation of tongues. Uh, yeah word of knowledge word of wisdom yeah. uh healing uh things of that nature yeah uh those are called revelatory gifts because it's god imparting revelation and so the the main argument against the uh against the continuation of the gifts is that there is no continuing revelation yeah, they've ceased to, the the common argument is they've ceased with the apostles so so when the last apostle died all of a sudden these revelatory gifts have ceased right yep. so there are some common arguments that cessationists like to make about this mm-hmm. um and so we wanted to take some time i guess to defend our position that the that the gifts continued throughout until Christ returns, um, 
by giving our, our biblical reasons and support for our position, yeah. and then by just talking about some of the, the points that our cessationist brothers and sisters would make. Yeah, and I think it's important to um, kind of step back here for a moment and, and simply say, state the obvious, but it's important. Like, we're constantly going back to the text. Like, what does the Bible say? So when I've had these conversations with my cessationist friends, whom I love, right, and we've dialogued, you know, I'm constantly pointing them back to the Bible because oftentimes their arguments are built out of, um, oh, they they had an experience, for example. and A bad experience. A bad experience about how the gifts were abused, and all of a sudden they're like, I'm done, I'm out, peace. Which I, I actually... You're kind of dispelling one misconception that people have about charismatics and continuationists. What? Where did you say? Where are we going? Yeah. Where's our source? Yeah. It's not primarily the Bible. It's only the Bible. Correct. We. I'm not saying we throw out tradition or. Uh, no, know, we have a lot to learn from tradition, church history, etc. Yeah. But we take our practice and our theology solely from. The scriptures, yeah, amen. Um, and so we're coming to uh, continuationism because that's what the Bible teaches. Yeah, um, and so in an act of obedience, we try to uh, do what First Corinthians fourteen one commands us, which yeah. is pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Yeah, right. And and you know I preached on this I don't know a month or two back or whatever, mm-hmm. and. And I pointed out that in the text here, it's actually a command. Like It's an imperative. In a, it's an imperative in the Greek, which is, you know, we would take that as a command. Like, yeah. earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Okay, what is he saying there? Do it. <laughs> yeah, earnestly desire them. So, that's not an argument for their continuation, necessarily. Right. Uh, so, let's handle some of the, I think, the two main texts that I hear cessationists preach. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So, first one, most common one, probably uh, Hebrews uh, 1. Hebrews 1, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then it's verses 1 to 4. I don't have it on me, so I'm just quoting from memory, so yeah, I'm probably misquoting it. But it's, uh, how long ago God spoke to the fathers in many times, in many ways, dot, 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 something. But in these last days, he yeah, has spoken to us by his by son. son. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So... And what's interesting about this is that, um, let me just quote it here from the ESV. Um, Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. And so when I read that, I assume um, he's talking about um, like the prophetic books. You know, you got Isaiah, Jeremiah. Well, not, well, I would. Minor prophets. I don't even, I wouldn't even say the prophetic books, but the prophets themselves. Yeah. I think the majority of prophetic ministry that happened in the Old Testament wasn't recorded and is not canonical. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. Now, what I find interesting about this logic, and you let me know what you think about this, is that if in these last days he has spoken to us through his son, what do we do with the New Testament books of the Bible? Right? Like, if you're going to follow their logic. Well, their logic is speaking to us through his son. So, uh, having known Christ personally is one of the requirements for being uh, an apostle. Yeah. And canon in the New Testament, one of the requirements... Wait, I think I said this backwards. One of the requirements for canon <laughs> is that it be apostolic. We're and both one of the, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> We are so tired. Uh, one of the, yeah, one of the qualifications that for a book in the New Testament is that uh, it be apostolic, meaning right. that it had uh, either been written by or supported by... Right. Uh, someone who truly like yep. knew Jesus, right. and so I, that that that's what they're saying. The continuation is he spoke to us now through his son, who came and taught us and gave us the apostles, 
who uh, wrote, wrote the scriptures, uh, which were inspired First Peter. Right. First Peter. First Peter tells us, yeah, maybe it's Second Peter. Anyway, um, I don't see any reason to believe that Hebrews one is an argument against continuationism, and I and I maybe you can make some connections. Yeah, it seems like some pretty difficult gymnastics to take that and then come to the conclusion Hermeneutical that gymnastics. what the author of Hebrews was actually trying to teach is that the gifts are going to cease. Yeah, I think his main point is is, he, is he's trying to show us Christ. Like, in these last days, he has spoken us to, through his son, Jesus Christ. Yeah, for sure. That Okay, so here here's the thing. The text can't mean what it could have never meant. That's, right. uh, what the, what's their dudes? Are they from? Whatever. Um, I'm not a mind reader. <laughs> the guys who wrote the book "How to Read the Bible from All" is uh, uh, Stuart Fee and Stuart Gordon oh, Fee. And, oh yeah. And, yeah, yeah, Gordon Fee. Uh, anyway, but it, the text can't mean what it could have never meant. This was written to a church in the area in the era of the apostles when the gifts would have been remaining. To say that this text is teaching the cessation of the gifts is to deviate from what the text is obviously actually trying to teach us, which is, if you read Hebrews 1, the superiority of Christ. Yeah. It's Christ is superior to humans, and then the majority of First Corinthians, or I'm sorry, Hebrews 1 is Christ is superior to the angels. And, you, and he continues that argument throughout the book of Hebrews. Christ is superior. Christ, Christ is superior. Is, yep. you know, all, He's a superior the, sacrifice. That, He's a superior mediator and priest. Right. Yep. Uh, so... To, to argue Hebrews 1 uh, teaches cessationism, cessationism in any way is, it, it just doesn't make any sense. I, that So what is surprising to me is I love and learn so much about hermeneutics from some of my brothers and sisters who are cessationists. And in the, in the areas of like 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, Ephesians 2, Hebrews 1, they seem so inconsistent they with seem their sus- hermeneutic. Yeah, I've, we've talked about this before. They seem to suspend um, their their principles of biblical interpretation when it comes to the spiritual gifts. Right. It's like, I'm tracking with you. I'm, I'm reading their stuff. I'm reading their commentaries, right? Yeah. Like, I, you know, um, here's one brother in particular who I love, and I, I love his commentaries. Like, I could read it just straight for, for my enjoyment. Tom Schreiner. Oh my goodness! Oh, he he is a fantastic and theologian. one of the most gracious cessationists. Abs- absolutely, you read he actually um, wrote a commentary on Hebrews. Speaking of you know, the book of Hebrews, and uh, I read that thing straight through, and and yet I look at this and I'm like, you have to suspend your principles that you've been using this whole time in order to say the gifts aren't for today, especially when you get back into you know like you said, First Corinthians twelve and fourteen. Yeah, it's inconsistent is all yeah, I'm going to say. Yeah. Because I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to dog on the hermeneutics, uh, especially most Reformed people. Yeah. Because they're they're pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. They just, they're just inconsistent in, in certain areas here. Yeah, I agree. Um, so what I want to say is, what was the apostle trying to teach? What was the author of Hebrews trying to teach? Was it that the gifts are going to cease? No. No. We're getting back to the meaning of the text, which, which, which we're going into a good direction in having this discussion, which is... Uh, biblical interpretation, hermeneutics, and when, again, we go back to talking with my brothers who are sensationists. That's what I keep, you know, begging and pleading. Mm-hmm. Like, let's get back to how do we interpret this particular passage? How do we, like, to use what you're saying here? How do you be consistent? That's what I. That's what I plead and beg for. Yeah. So I think I want to maybe uh, intermingle some of these inst- instead of just going after all, uh, or defending and then trying to. Sure. Uh, I don't know what I'm saying. I want, let's give an argument for continuationism. Yeah. 
Uh, so we know we're not just trying to defend and defend and defend. Yeah, yeah. What What do you think is your biggest reason you are a continuationist? Give me the the biggest thing you have, and I'll give you mine after you. My done. biggest thing is when I when I come to the text, First Corinthians twelve, First Corinthians fourteen, Romans twelve. Um, I don't see how. Uh, I, what I do see is it's all about the spiritual gifts and Paul telling us how to live as a church in light of God giving the church the spiritual gifts. So, I, it's, again, it goes back to hermeneutics for me. There's no way I can get away from it. The scripture shows us that. It tells us that. Um, um, tells us how they function in the life of the local church. Uh, and so, that, yeah, that's my answer. I go to the text. Text, yeah. text, text. That's great. Uh, great argument. I think my biggest thing... Um, and this this really made some of my cessationist friends upset to say this, so I'm not trying to be mean or anything. But uh, one, you're all about controversy. That's what one I text. <laughs> Just kidding. one text that I think they frequently used is First Corinthians 13. Now, most level-headed cessationists won't use that because it, it's to them it's like oh. unclear. Uh, but the all of these things will say, love is the superior gift. Okay, yeah. that's the point. Yeah. All of and it's as for prophecy, it will cease. And but when please so this is my yeah. this is my this is my argument yeah. the the only place where the Bible explicitly tells us when the gifts are going to cease it tells us the gifts are going to cease when the perfect comes any logical hermeneutic is going to say the the perfect is Christ we are in a period where when we Christ are comes back. waiting for Christ to come yeah. back we are we are in a period where um. Yeah, we're in the last days. Yeah. Can I tell a story here? Because you're hitting on something. Sure. So like when I was doing my undergraduate work, um, I was a, a majoring in like Christian ministry or whatever. And, uh, you know, I'm really grateful for all the teachers who, you know, taught. And um, we're, we were doing systematic theology and we came to the point in systematic theology where we were talking about gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? And you were reading Grudem. And we were reading Grudem, right? Amen. Amen. And then I had a professor, a great guy. He uh, went to Dallas Theological Seminary, so... Listen. And you were reading Grudem? Yeah, we were. I don't, I don't know how that happened. I, I'm not, you know, back okay. then I was super naive, but he was, um, he was a, a dispensationalist and a sensationist. And we get to this text and he goes, you know, I simply raised my hand. We're talking about the spiritual gifts because he was making an argument about um, them cease, about them ceasing, and he uses this text, and I'm like, but I don't read that there, so I, I read it out loud in class, I'm like, love never ends, as for prophecies, they will pass away, as for tongues, they will cease, as for knowledge, it will pass away, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part, and here it is in verse 10, but when the perfect comes, and he argued that the perfect was the scriptures. The, cl- the closing of canon? Yeah, the closing of canon. Oh my goodness. I know, right? And I'm like, and I just... And again, great guy. Don't want to dog him. Um, I have mad respect for you know a lot of the teachers who taught me, but I'm like, no way. So can't can't get behind that. Similar story for me. I have a friend who's a cessationist, and and I really love him, a great brother in Christ. Mm, yeah. And we talked we talked about it a lot. Um, and I brought up First Corinthians 13, and he would never use that as a as a text to defend cessationism yeah. because he was just saying no, it's not like that's not a good argument for it. He's being honest. He was being honest. Yeah, yeah. But. He he did not like me using it as an argument for yeah. continuations. Here here was this thing he would say, um, that text is not clear. There are so many oh, so many different bro. interpretations. He's like that people 
on the charismatic side have tons of interpretations. People on the on the on the cessationist side yeah. have so many interpretations. Yeah. We can't. It's not clear enough to use as a text to defend a position well. Yeah, I agree. You agree? Well, no, no, I agree with your take and how you're approaching it. Sorry. Oh, okay. I was like, <laughs> no. wow. This podcast so took a turn my, quickly. My, my biggest uh, proof of continuationism, <laughs> no, 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 you no. disagree with me? No, no, no. So, but my argument here is I get what he's saying, yeah. but the text is clear. Yeah, it doesn't change the fact that this is what God said. There, I really don't see how another interpretation could be there. Yeah. Um, love is a superior gift. It will always continue. And the gifts are done with an attitude of love, right? And I think that's a, a great... Oh, absolutely. And that's that's one thing I love, not to be redundant, about 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, is like in between chapter 12 and 14, you have this love chapter, and it's awesome. And, you know, before, you know, we've got spiritual gifts in chapter 12, then you got the spiritual gifts in, you know, chapter 14, and but Paul's like, whoa, 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 you know, these are, these are for today. This is how they function in the life of the local church. But remember, guys, love. Yeah. Love. So one thing to note, we get most of how we practice the gifts, uh, and and obviously my main argument from 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, yeah. which is not, it's Paul giving a, a correction to the church. Yeah. He teaches them about the gifts. It's not, we're not deviating from the, from the meaning of the text uh, to, to use it to teach us about continuationism and how to use the gifts. However, he wrote it as, as, as a correction. And it's a correction. It's not a guide. And it's a correction we need to continue to hear today. Yep. Because, you know, so we're we're charismatics, but we're we're honest. We've seen the abuse of the spiritual gifts. Yeah. And so going Sadly sadly, I think I've seen more abuse than than good use of yeah. spiritual gifts. And and if I'm being honest with myself, I think that's true. Which means first Corinthians fourteen, chapter fourteen in particular, is really, really important. Because it's in this particular chapter where we where we read Paul not only giving the correction, but he's saying this is how it should function. This is what it looks like in the context of the local church. And so prophecy is for the upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Mm. Um, and and I find that really really helpful. Even you know when he talks about how many people should prophesy, well, two or three, right? And then we talk then we read in the scriptures not only not only in First Corinthians fourteen, but in other texts like. First John four, First uh, Thessalonians five, where we need to test prophecies, test the spirit, and so um, I, I think I find that to be really, really helpful uh, mm. advice and correction for the church. And you're touching on something. Um, I have to communicate the position of cessationists a lot so yeah. far. I hope I'm doing this fairly. I think they would say that the uh, reason that we had prophecy is twofold. One to be the foundation of the church and help establish the foundation. So it'd be like Ephesians 2, Ephesians 20, 2, 20. Okay. And uh, two, uh, to validate the teaching and work of the apostles. Yep. Right. So, but which, you're, we're, which we're going through in the book of Acts right now. Right. But here's what you're, you're not saying. That's the, the main purpose. You're no. saying the main purpose is edification, encouragement, the building up of the local church. Correct. Okay. So, that answers a cessationist argument, in my opinion, because Absolutely. you're coming at that from First oh, Corinthians sure. 14. So what they would get, they'd use a text like Ephesians 2.20, which says that uh, the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. 
And they say, well, then obviously the purpose of prophecy is to establish the foundation of the church. However, um, the Bible in more didactic form teaches that the reason we have prophecy is because it, it edifies the church. God gave us the gift for our good, uh, and which is why it, would, it, it continues to today. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's for, for the good of the church and for the honor and glory of God. I still think that the gifts bring so much glory to God um, in the context, I think, specifically of what God's doing in the local church. So, like, we talk about for a moment, like, how they kind of function. Cause, and, I, and I say that um, on a practical level because, um, another quick story, when I was in seminary, I ran and had a lot of brothers, and we were, you know, studying the scriptures together, and they were kind of like closet charismatics or charismatic with a seatbelt on or like open but cautious, right? Open but cautious. Yeah, that's yeah. another one. Or uh, 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 Jason Meyer. Bethlehem what's Baptist his position? Church. He well, I mean, he just wrote an article for Desiring God, and he called it practical cessationism. Oh, sure, yeah, it, which, which is a good term. It's basically saying that's he was confessing, "I am one." Yeah, he basically said, "Yeah, I believe the gifts are for today, uh, but my actions don't match my beliefs." Right, I'm, I'm practically, I'm wow. a cessationist. Wow, and he basically he basically was saying, "I need to repent of it." Wow. so it was a great article. Wow. But yeah, I haven't read that, but if, you know that being the case, I think it's a really honest view of right of how one's wrestling with the scriptures and yet looking practically and saying, "Well, this isn't matching with what I believe." And that was the case with a lot of my friends in seminary, and uh, we wrestled with that. And um, I, when I came out of, when I came out of seminary, just really worked toward finding uh, a local church that modeled, in addition to other things, but modeled you know what that looks like. Um, in a healthy way in the context of a local church. And so, you know, we continually dive into the scriptures and say, okay, you know, how do we walk this out in the life of uh, a local church? And Yeah, so I guess the question then would be for you, how can a local church handle the use of the spiritual gifts well, practically? Yeah, practically. So That's a question I've had a lot of people. I had a discussion post about this in one of my classes at Midwestern, and that was a question I got because I defended the use of the spiritual gifts. It was like, well, how can a church even do that? So let's let's look at it from a Redemption Hill Church perspective, right? Our, uh, Redemption Hill Church is our yeah our local, local church. church. Yep. So if someone have a prophetic word, um, and they come up to me, um, I want to hear that prophetic word in part because as the elder of the church, I want to make sure. Well, I'm, I'm guarding the church, right? So I'm going to hear what they say. I want to make sure it squares with the scripture. I think. There's no prophetic words going to be given that I think that is a true prophetic word that is going to be contrary to God's word. And so I, I test it. And therefore, um, you know, we have that in that moment. Um, and that could happen. It might not happen at all on a Sunday. It could happen two or three times. Don't know. It's however this, or more. Or more. It's however the, the Spirit leads. And the other one that people ask about is speaking in tongues. And, um, you know, I've had the question, do people speak in tongues in your church? Well, people speak in tongues, but we ask for there to be an interpretation, right? Right. So what does that mean? Do we require someone before they speak a tongue to already have someone who else who has the gift of interpretation? Yep. So we want to make sure there's someone with a gift of interpretation in so the room. So <laughs> another church, okay, in the room. Yeah. Another church I went to, who I thought did this really well, they basically, the pastor went up and said, uh, someone has a tongue, we're yeah. going to allow Pray. them to share it, and trust that God, providing the tongue, will also, in accordance with his word, provide the interpretation. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then this person spoke, and they said, all right, we're going to wait for God and hope 
that he will provide an interpretation, trust that he will. And and God did provide an interpretation that was encouraging to the church and edifying and helpful. Yep. And so like at our church, you know, people will sometimes also ask, you know, are people just speaking in tongues like a private prayer language in the middle of like a church service? And the answer is no. And not typically. No. Well, yeah, I guess just flat out no. However, I've seen it in some, in some churches uh, where people are speaking in a private prayer language, but they try to keep to themselves. They're not, it's not something shared with the church. Uh, I don't necessarily think that's the best thing to do, but it's happened before. Yeah. So what do you do with, uh, let me ask you this question because I preached on it. Now I'm going to test you. Ready? Sure. What do we do with Acts 2? You know, we got Pentecost, speaking in tongues. Right. So actually, okay. So we're getting into the question then, is tongues a private prayer language or is it uh, a a human language? Right. Um, I think it could be both. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I think that uh, there are different types of the gift. Um, I don't think that Acts 2 is prescriptive of how we should speak. So Acts 2, uh, for for those who maybe don't know or don't remember exactly what happened, is the day of Pentecost. And basically, uh, Peter and some other people were speaking and preaching. And you got tongues of fire coming down. Yeah, and this was when tons of people from all over were coming and listening, and they were all hearing it in their own language. Yeah. And so they supposed, are these men drunk? And then Peter's like, no, it's 9 a.m. How could we be drunk? And then so, he quotes Joel 2. Joel 2. Yeah. So they're speaking in human languages. Okay. Okay. Yep. And yep. that's the gift that they received at that point. Correct. My question is, why, and this is, I get this from Sam Storms from his teaching on this, by the way. Um, but his question is, why do we say Acts 2 is the normative and prescriptive model for tongues rather than say 1 Corinthians 12 to 14? Yeah, my answer is... Um, they're different genres. And so we read these different genres. Well, not to be redundant again, differently, right? So, so that's acts, called interpreting the Bible literarily. Yeah. Meaning we interpret the Bible not not necessarily literally, but according to its literary nature. Correct. So we interpret First Corinthians didactically because it's a didactic book. And we with in, Acts, we got a historical book. Right? Yeah, a historical or a narrative. Narrative, yep. It's narrative form in Acts 2. And so, so interpret it as a narrative. And part of that interpreting it as a narrative, it's that it's descriptive. So that, you know, the language that's used in terms of, you know, how do we interpret, say, you know, a Pauline epistle versus the book of Acts is descriptive versus prescriptive. Right. However, we can't just say, okay, so Acts is describing how it happened. But that's not to say there's not... it can happen different. Yeah. And it's not to say there isn't anything prescriptive in Acts. It is to say, though, there's generally something being described throughout this narrative. There is also, um, just to say is kind of like a, a disclaimer here, there are passages that are descriptive that provide us with a good precedent of how things should be Absolutely. done. Um, so we have to ask, I, I just think if we're going to, maybe we should talk about this on another podcast episode. Yeah, but yeah. if we're going to talk about private prayer language versus uh, spoken human language, uh, I, I would go to 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 and talk about uh, how Paul talks about the gift of tongues and how he teaches about it and why I believe that both exist. Mm-hmm. I will also add here, just so that people don't get frustrated, I don't think that 1 Corinthians 13, 1 is a good argument for uh, private prayer language, which uh, 
any cessationists will just say, "Oh, that, that's filled with hyperbole." I don't think it's. Ne- I, I don't. I don't think it's a good argument. I don't think it's necessarily like wrong to use that, but it's not a good argument. Right. Which is by the first Corinthians thirteen one. By the way, is that the, if I speak in uh, human language or angelic tongues or something like that, and so we. Some people say, oh, private prayer language, that's angelic tongue. That's what it's talking about here. Yeah, that's not Paul's point. Yeah. Um, So would you say that someone who rejects the spiritual gifts, uh, a cessationist or a practical cessationist, is in sin? Yes, and the reason why... Did we lose half of our other listeners? We lost half of them last our last podcast yeah. for some reason. Now we're gonna lose the other half, so we're we're shrinking quickly. And here's yeah, why we're down to zero. <laughs> so this is me and you and like our close friends listening. <laughs> we're not doing a very good job. Um, yes, and here's why. This goes back to First Corinthians fourteen, and it's the imperative that we read: earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So what do we call it to disobey a command of God? Sin. Sin. That's called a sin. That is called and a this, sin. And this command is for the church today? Yep. Absolutely. A- absolutely. 100%. Yeah. There's Again, no way to get around. Would you say anything? Yeah. There, it's, there's no way to get around that hermeneutically. This is a command to the church. Again, we're just trying to be consistent with the hermeneutic here. Right. If, if It's like, um, go to First Corinthians 6, right? And Paul says, flee sexual morality. Again, another imperative. Flee sexual morality. Now we come to that and we're like, yeah, of, of course we're gonna. We want to obey that, and to not obey it is sin. And right. then we get to First Corinthians fourteen, and we're like, Meh, you know, do we need? Maybe not. Yeah, it's like what? No, uh, sure. And there are sometimes differences. I think when you use, so they would probably argue that we use the rule of faith, interpret scripture using right. scripture, and then they're like, well, scripture teaches cessationism, therefore we don't have to obey that specific command, which was for that specific church, which is inconsistent. Yes. <laughs> um. But I, I agree with you that it's sin. Uh, we talked about earlier, not on the podcast, but just to ourselves, talking about First Thessalonians uh, chapter 5. I think it's either verse 17 or verse 18. 19. Uh, 19? Yeah. I don't think it's verse 19. Well, what's the, what are you trying to talk about? So I'll look it up while you tell me. I'll see who's right. Well, I think... so. If you're, if you're wrong, you owe me coffee. Don't quench the spirit. <laughs> don't quench the spirit. Verse That's, 19. Holler. You owe me coffee. Do not quench spirit, verse 19. Do not despise prophecies. Do, okay. Stop. Are you mad now? Are you salty? No, no, no. I'm just saying stop there. I oh, want okay. to talk about that. Okay. Uh, don't quench the spirit. No. Don't, des- don't despise prophecy. Right. Another two imperative, two uh, commands to the church. And I say this understanding that I have so many sins that I don't know that I'm committing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we, 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 talk, we want to talk about this with a, a humble posture. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I don't see how you can reject what God gave his church for their good. So 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 and, and Acts, you see God saying these gifts are gifts. They are something I'm giving you mm-hmm. because it's good for you. Yeah. This is something I'm intending to build you up. This is one of the tools in my tool belt to make you more like Christ. Yeah. And then for someone to say those don't exist, to reject those things uh, is to disobey the command not to quench the spirit, and is to and and many of them also I would add despise prophecy. And you know if I'm if you're you're not a sensationist obviously, but if I would say if one of my sensationist friends was sitting next to me, I would say, you know, in in one of the problems you know 
that's always brought up is the abuse of the gifts. I would say, you know, stick with me here on First Thessalonians. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Here we but, go. But test everything. And I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it, very. It's, it's not um, spiritual gifts unhinged, right? Like you're supposed to test it, square it with scripture. Right. That is one of the biggest uh, rebukes that Paul has for the Corinthian church. Yeah. Is this is not orderly. Yeah. Not and, really. and First Thessalonians is saying there needs to be order and there needs to be testing. Yeah. And I and I so appreciate that. First um, uh, John four one also talks about testing prophecy. You know, so. I, I just think those are good guards, and um, this is why I think you know, as an elder of the church, I'm 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 doing that on a Sunday morning as prophetic words. You know, people say, "Hey, I have a prophetic word for the church." Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna test that. I want to later on do an episode where we talk about what prophecy is, yeah. how we can pursue it. Be very specific. Uh, yeah, be yeah. V- more specific about that because First Corinthians 14, when it tells us to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, Paul makes it a point to say especially that you should prophesy. Okay. And which is interesting not to get onto that, that rabbit trail, but just for a moment, you got to ask the question, why prophecy? What about the other spiritual gifts? Right. Why prophecy, Paul? And then that's something we'll answer that question. That's a great point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, last thing I want to want to say here is we're closing up. I have some people who would say, well, you know, if God wants me to, if, I, I'm kind of open to the spiritual gifts. If God wants me to have one, he's sovereign. He'll give me one. What do you think about that? Is there something we need to do to, do to be pursuing them? Or is it something that we just wait on God and allow him to do and Earnestly work in us? desire the spirit. We keep going so, back yeah, to that. Keep, keep desiring. Keep, yeah. It's basically keep what pressing. you're saying. Keep desiring. Keep pressing in. Keep desiring. Here's, uh, yeah. I think pray. I think, I, I do think, coming to the scriptures and wrestling with it, you know, continue to wrestle with it, especially if your, your tendency is more toward the sensationist position or, or you're then opening, but cautious, go back to the scriptures, wrestle with God and the scriptures, continue to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Yep. I've got two things. Uh, first of all, from Luke, I think it's 19, maybe 17, maybe 11. I think it's one of those three chapters, but, uh, Jesus is basically giving his sermon on the Mount, but it's in Luke. Yeah. Um, and he says, uh, talking about a f- what what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, would give him a snake yeah. or something like that. And then blah, blah, blah. blah. God, basically his point was, uh, God is a good father. You are evil mm. fathers and you know how to give good gifts to your children. And he more. makes this specific point in Luke a little bit different than the other gospels. He says, um, how much more will God give you the Holy Spirit when you ask of him? Yeah. So ask. Yeah. Just just keep asking God. Yeah. Um be be the persistent widow. God, I, mm. you said this That's is a good word, man. You said this is good for me. You said this is good for my local church. I want to be able to serve them. I want my spiritual walk to be uh benefited from this. Yeah. Uh please give me these gifts. And and, and just trust that God will. Uh I'll also add position yourself uh, spiritually to receive those gifts. So, uh humble yourself. Yeah. Uh, be reading the Bible daily and and communing with God in prayer and 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 in meditation on His Word. Yeah, that's a good word, man. I appreciate that. So, a question for you, and maybe mm-hmm. want to close. So, if if there are folks listening who um, you know open but cautious, or maybe they're sensationists, they're like, "Hey, I want to give give this a good read." Who who are some of your favorite authors? I got some of mine. I, I know they're the same, but I'll ask you, and you can tell everyone. Okay, I'm going to answer that question. I'm going to say something first because you just brought this to my mind. 
in my opinion, open but cautious is the most horrible place to be. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> cessationism, cessationism. Um, you're at least un- from in your own understanding, you're not disobeying God. Yeah. Continuationism or, or charismatic, being charismatic, you're not disobeying God in your understanding. An open, An open but, ca- but cautious yeah. person knows God's command and is disobeying them. Right. Okay. So first of all, pursue the spiritual gifts. Second of all, my favorite authors uh, on the topic, uh, definitely Sam Storms oh, yeah. is n- number one to go to. He's, he ref- go- he's reformed. He's charismatic. Love him. Yeah. Reformed, charismatic, complementarian, oh, yeah. uh, millennial. I don't know if he's reformed because of all those other things, but he is ca- a Calvinist. Yeah. A Calvinist, um, yeah. Yeah, Sam Storms is a great guy. Reformed in a, his soteriology. We've gone over this before. I know. <laughs> I don't like that you say that. I know. I know you don't. I um, keep saying it. He's got a book called uh, "The Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Gifts." Yeah, that's right. That is a very good resource to start with. Yeah, um, in, a, in a short book, you can probably fly through it in a week. Yes. Yeah. He also on his uh, website. I think it's called EnjoyingGod.org. Yeah, has great resources. You could also just go listen to sermons from. Piper Chandler. Yeah. Like that. Another guy that has had, and a guy you know, um, has had an influence on me. In Mickey Connolly. No, John Bloom. Oh my goodness. Jonathan Bloom. Jonathan He wrote some great articles at uh, Desiring God regarding the spiritual gifts. Oh, so, absolutely. So if you could just go to desiringgod.org and you just, you know. Type look, in John Bloom. Or spiritual gifts. No age. Yeah, no age. J O N. J O N Bloom. And you'll find some really good articles regarding the spiritual gifts. So. Um, for me, the two resources that I tend to push people toward is one, yeah, Sam Storms, and then moving them towards John Bloom at DesiringGod.org. Yeah. Really good stuff. A lot of there's a lot of great uh, blog posts about it on Desiring God. Yeah. Uh, you could also read the one by Jason Meyer that I recommended earlier. Yeah. So closing up, we would really appreciate it if you would go and leave a review on whatever way you're listening to the podcast. On if you're listening to it on iTunes, leave a review. Because until we get a certain amount of reviews and, and listens, we're not even going to be searchable on there. I experienced that with my podcast. You can, you can, it's on there. However, when you search like Cornfield Theology Podcast, nothing's going to come up. Yeah. It took me a few months to get there. Yeah. Appreciate- so leave a review. It helps us to know your thoughts. It, it helps us to get um, some. Yeah. Visibility. And can I ask? Uh, and I'll also add this: if you have specific topics you want us to cover. Go ahead yeah, and put those. Us. Yeah, message us. And then, uh, how can they get in touch with us? Well, you can email uh, info at redemptionhilldsm.org. That could be yeah. one way. Just or go to redemptionhilldsm.org. Yeah, go to We've the website. We've got a contact page, I think. Yep, there's a contact page. Yep. Um, yeah, so get in touch. Yeah, and we're, we're actually we're, it's, remember it's all of our closest friends who are listening anyway. We <laughs> lost everyone else, so just text us. <laughs> well, if Give our, us a if call. our friends happen to like repost it, we'd appreciate it. If you uh, we don't know you and. Um, there's a way we could serve you. And, and here's a well, I'll also add this. Um, we're, we're just getting started on this. And so uh, we, we hope to improve. How we're we, growing. We're growing yeah. in this. We, we hope to improve yeah. on this. Don't know what we're doing yet. No, yeah, exactly. And then that's, a, that's okay. Uh, we do want to serve um, the church. That is a huge desire we have. We love the Lord. We love the local church. And if there's a way, there's this one way of, you know, other ways that we try to serve. Awesome. Well, thank you for listening to this episode. We will see you next time.